0: Hello, trenders! Welcome to The Girl Talku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by...
1: Hello, I am Isabel, and... This is Agnes.
0: So, without further ado, The Girl Talku today will be about underrated characters... So you've heard us talk about underrated anime and stuff like that. And well, I think that you can actually apply that term to many different elements of any sort of anime. And in particular today, we want to look at some of the characters that we think really should deserve a lot more credit than they give. And at least based on our experience of fandom or just seeing things online, it doesn't seem like people love or appreciate them as much as we personally do. So that is what we're going to take our episode today to talk about. About. And so with that being said, Agnes, you are jumping us off today. So Agnes, what are two of the characters that you find to be quite underrated in regards to all the anime you've seen?
2: For sure, for sure. Um, two of these characters are fairly recent and they are what you would consider maybe like side characters, but I think they should are pretty underrated as protagonists in themselves because they help the main character with their growth. Um, quite a bit in this series. The first one that I want to highlight is Einar from Vinland Saga.
0: I had um, a feeling and- that was coming and that <laughs> was on my list, but I I had a third one because I was like, Agnes might take that one. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How'd you know? Um, but yeah, I wanted to highlight Einar because he's very instrumental to Thorfinn's growth in the second season, or is it second season? Second season, right? Yeah, of Vinland second Saga. season. Um, Without Einar, there's no path for Thorfinn to re- to remove himself from PTSD. And without Einar's backstory, it wouldn't provide Thorfinn the alternative that peace is achievable. And what I found what was really interesting that Mappa Studios did for Einar in uh, Vinland Saga is they decided to give him a backstory, which the original manga did not. And the backstory for Einar is incredibly mundane. It's about the story of a young boy in a farmer's family and he is he leaves he lost his father from the from the wars that were being ravaged upon england the family rebuilds themselves and their farm and their village and then they get ravished again he sees his sister and his mother die and he's sold into slavery but that kind of backstory is very important because it gives context to thorfinn that Peace is achievable, peace is an option, and that they don't need to continue doing warfare, and that Einar is the recipient of all of this violence, in which Thorfinn has to basically like check himself and be like, oh, this is what I've caused, or this is what I've also indirectly caused by continuing warfare. And so it continues to bring about a very Important narrative in Vinland Saga that war and violence affects everybody, not just the victors, not just the losers, but also the people who are bystanders who are not even related into any of this as well. So that's why I wanted to highlight Aynar from Vinland Saga.
0: Yeah, so I had Einar on the list as well, and the reason why is you know the Vinland Saga fandom. I've been, uh, I've met them now online and <laughs> checking out what they have to say, and basically majority of the times they are they do love the cast a lot, but. One thing I noticed about Einar, uh, Einar is that the thing is Einar is kind of missing that sort of cool factor that a lot of the team of protagonists yes. have, yeah. and because of that, the, their appreciation for him just pales a lot in comparison, because he doesn't have that, oh, um, he's not a warrior like Torfing, he's not a hunter like Hild, he's, who's coming in later. In fact, there's a whole team of protagonists later, but they all have some kind of cool factor and Anar is just this really big sturdy guy who wants to be a farmer and be a family man. And that's all there is to him. He doesn't really know how to fight. He has a lot of stamina because he's a big guy. And once uh, once again, he's been a farmer his entire life, even ever since he was a kid. But he's not the fighter. He's not the, um, you know, he's not the adventurer either. He's not someone who ambushes people or anything like that. He's just a guy, a guy who grew up during a very hard time who just wants to live a really nice, peaceful life and became really close to a band of extremely uh, adventurous people. And so I think he just gets easily overlooked because of what. You know seems like very quote unquote vanilla sort of character profile, but the reality of him is he is indispensable in the group, and especially to torfing and um and I just and I also agree in the fact that I just feel like he doesn't get that attention that he absolutely deserves, so
2: <laughs> yeah, and the most unfortunate part is that a lot of the original Vinland saga fans. That came for all the action in season one, don't see that in Einar, and therefore they just kind of like brush him off as like, oh, he's just very basic. Oh, he's just a side character. But it's like, if we don't have Einar, then what's the point of Vinland Saga season two? Right? Yes, so exactly. He's instrumental to Vinland Saga season two. He you cannot have like I said, you cannot have Uh, Thorfinn on his path to redemption without Einar. Without Einar giving him basically a reality check. If anything, Thorfinn was already stuck on Ketil's farm for like three years in this PTSD slump not knowing what to do with himself until Einar shows up. So...
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, uh, so both of us. This is why both of us have it on there. Though I will say, you seem to have a particular soft spot for it, uh I, know. I <laughs> do because
2: he's a himbo man, and I appreciate himbo characters.
0: When did you discover you were like, oh, I, I, I have like a, a particular sort of um a favoritism towards him. <laughs>
2: I mean, that was when I was watching Vinland Saga Season 2, but I've always had especially a soft spot for himbo characters. You just don't see it a lot in anime because himbo men isn't really a stereotype in anime per se. Uh, You see it a lot less there, but you see it a lot more in Western media of like the big chunky guy who's like really good hearted, very good intentions. He might not be the smartest in the room, but he values everybody in the group. Um, and I see a lot less of that in anime and manga than I do in Western
0: media. Mm, I didn't even think about that in regards to, like, uh, comparison to anime that they're kind of, like, less apparent. So <laughs> now I'm, like, either, thinking about if, it. Either they're,
2: they're less apparent or they're so easily more brushed off because, like we said, they don't really possess any kind of skill set for the shonen or for the seinen type of uh, show.
0: Mm, yeah, i see i see like for instance if
2: you look at like hell's paradise for instance right where it's like all fighting for all of the characters you don't have a himbo character really in that show right and then that because they wouldn't fit in there uh nor would the himbo character really f- quite fit in let's say a romance or shoujo although i will say like uh my love story does have a himbo main character which is the the really big guy with the really big lips
1: yeah, Takeo. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. yeah. Takeo. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, Takeo is basically a himbo.
0: <laughs> and you also yes. really like that. <laughs> I do. They're so
2: goofy and they're so lovable. So I do like them quite a bit.
0: Got it. Yeah, no, I think Anar, I also think Einar represents a really important part of the theme, which is also why I can be kind of sad when people don't really think about it because he basically represents what the majority of people were trying to live that, you know, the minority of people, the warriors themselves, aren't letting these people just live their lives, you know? Essentially, and so, yeah. Yeah, and it's very, very unfair. And the other thing that needs appreciation is the fact that he's his farm work, the story makes it very clear how important farming is and basically how, like, farming is sort of the very basics of human civilization and what allows humans to thrive and that's what Anar represents and um because he's the one who taught Torfing how to farm and the importance of it and like what to look out for I think one of my favorite ones is when he talked about how like wheat is very strong And, um, even though they look very weak, but they bend and they're flexible and it's the roots that's like holding them down and stuff like that was obviously metaphorical to humanity as a whole and to the general people, the general populace, but, I really appreciated that moment because I think even nowadays, you know, we kind of take farmers for granted considering that they literally provide their food for us and stuff like that in order for us to live and eat all these delicious things. And, um, and I also felt like Anar represents a part of that as well.
2: For sure. For sure.
0: Alrighty. So that is your first underrated anime character. So what are some of your other ones? So my second one
2: is from Ranking of Kings. It is Queen Hilda. And I wanted to highlight Queen Hilda because even though she was set up as sort of the stepmother antagonist at the beginning of Ranking of Kings, it shows that she really genuinely cares for Boji. Because Boji is unfortunately was uh, born with a disability. He is uh, deaf. And as a result, he also can't talk either. And everybody ridicules him, except for Hilda, who makes an effort to take care of him, despite her him not being her biological son. And she also communicates with him in sign language, too. And really, throughout the entirety of the series, Boji is the only character who has a lot of compassion, and that compassion is carried through Queen Hilda, who sees Boji as her second son. She gives him as much love as his own mother would have if she would have still been alive, And that really paves the way for Boji to be a very empathetic shonen protagonist, as compared to a lot of the other uh, the other characters in the series who are very sketchy by their own means, very dubiously gray, and not really on the right path towards you know saving others, protecting others, and standing up for what is right. And so Queen Hilda having that kind of role as not only the mother but also as the queen of the story who has a lot of leverage, I thought was. A really good pick i guess
0: yeah no i remember her um i I remember how we all started off thinking she was going to be the worst (laughs) she ended up being (laughs) the best and we're like how did this happen so (laughs) um yeah no i i remember queen healing she's a really great character i love her a lot i think it's also a unique twist to do that to a a stereotypical you know sort of um stereotypical uh, stepmother because we're so used to fairy tales of stepmothers being evil and sort of causing Mm -hmm. problems all the time. And so when it turns out that her sort of like, uh, what's the right word? Uppity? Is that the right word? Um, Her uppity sort of attitude towards Bochi was... More actually the fact that she was overprotective than anything else. And Mm -hmm. I basically wrote an apology tweet to her when I saw her almost like leap out the window. And the only reason why she didn't like just fall to her death was because her guard grabbed her because she saw Bochi like, you know, slipping out and sneaking out of the room that I was like, oh, oh, no, she's she's not like that type of person she's just overprotective and she thinks what she's doing is sort of the right way to ensure that Bulchi has the most comfortable life as possible. But unfortunately, like with any child, especially those with uh, disabilities, you got to remember to give them their own freedom, even though you have like this natural tendency to be like, well, they need to be protected because they are, they do have these disabilities and stuff like that. So I really like that twist, especially with how it was originally set up. And Isabel, you know, I I think you liked uh, Queen Healing as well, right?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, and the same as you, I thought that she would be kind of like that stepmother who would be mean to Boji. But then, you know, as the series goes on and you see more episodes... Um, she became kind of like that ditzy mother who is trying to balance, you know, she obviously wants to put forward her own son, but then she has a very soft spot for Boji, and she, yet the fact that, you know, she falls out a window just trying to heal, and then, like, basically, every time she struggles to heal too is always a funny scene to me, because she's, like, giving it her all. And so, to me, yeah, she became a really great character Um that, like, I feel like we've, I wish we could have more uh, screen time with her. I haven't seen the second season, so I don't know if she's there. I assume it's both to still on his adventure. But um, yeah, I would just like to see more of her overall. And also just kind of like the struggles that she has between balancing uh, this whole thing. And not only that, you know, her husband um, dying. And so she's taking over for a lot of the decisions um, with obviously a table of men as well um mm-hmm. in the scene so you know making these decisions difficult she's not she's not exactly the greatest parent because she's not it also involved in every aspect of um daida or um, or bochi's lives as well because she has other people to take care of and a lot of other things to do so yeah she has a lot on her shoulders um and that's not really shown in the anime but i think it is insinuated by the way that she acts and how other people treat her as well mm-hmm.
0: I was going to say the one thing I think Prince He or Queen He needs to do is she needs to get her son, her uh, Dida away from that woman <laughs> we all know about. <laughs> like she needs to she be
2: who shall not be named, right?
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay, I I, I don't okay. I, I need some clarifications. I don't condone the Asian style of parenting where they control everything about your personal life, like, um, you know, your dating life, when you can date and what you can date and stuff like that. That's an actual problem that a lot of Asian Americans in particular struggle with, especially in a country where, um, it's, you know, it's very uncommon for parents to meddle the way that they do. Um, but I think she needs to meddle situation i'm like there is an exception that needs to be made in this circumstance (laughs) so so that is my thought process on it and also uh isabel you mentioned about her healing sort of abilities and i think uh correct me if i'm wrong but didn't you mention healing in our uh trope dissection healers uh episode uh agnes where you said like that was a particular part that you thought was more creative because she has to like physically make an effort to heal mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah okay yeah, i think.
1: I yeah we did highlight her um healing powers uh, i can't really remember exactly what we said but yes we did
0: <laughs> yeah so I, I i was like i think we all actually discussed about that as well so yeah no i queen healing is an amazing character we all love her a lot Um, and unfortunately, I, so I'm not watching the second season Reiki of Kings, mainly because I don't quite understand it, to be completely honest with you. I, I couldn't tell where it is in the timeline, because I'm like, it's not a sequel, but it's not a prequel, so I'm like, what is it? (laughs) So that's why I ended up, like, giving up on it, because I really need, like, an answer in regards to that, but I do think she does show up quite a bit, and, um, and she is a very good character in regards to um in regards to the anime but yeah she never showed up on our top 10 characters either which was also very surprising because you would think someone like her would show up but um it is what it is in that regard uh so yeah so do you have a third underrated anime character that you want to highlight agnes or are you ready to move on
2: no i'm ready to move on
0: Alrighty then So in my case, then, um, luckily I did prepare three because of the fact that I suspected one was going to be taken. Um, so I have, so the two characters I have, the first one I want to talk about is I want to preface this by saying that I know she won our best supporting character award, but I felt like she didn't really get the attention until later. And that's because of a particular reason. So Um, So the first one I want to highlight is Ram from ReZero. Do you two know Ram at all? Like which one of the twins that is? Pink hair. Yes. Yes,
1: Pink hair. (laughs) Okay.
0: So I have always liked Ram over Rem. I thought she had so much personality and she had so much spunk and there was something so funny about her in regards to the way that she talks. Like I could not wait to see her on screen every single time. But the thing is, I feel like literally no one paid attention to her until her sister essentially became out of the equation. And the reason why is she was nowhere on any charts whatsoever when Rem was still very present in the story. And um and basically, like, it was Rem, 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 Rem everywhere. And it wasn't until when Rem was out of the picture and uh, basically com- comatose and catatonic i think um but uh but out of the picture that people finally started to look at ram and started to vote for her on our characters um our characters polls and admittedly she did end up winning best supporting um best supporting uh character at the actually at the anime training awards of all places but once again that was also because rem was just completely out of the way and i am absolutely certain That if it wasn't for the fact that she um, that her sister just wasn't part of the story anymore, that she would have continued remaining in the shadows, which I never really understood because I felt like Ram had so much like defined by just herself and the way that she talks. For example, um, she really likes to make punny jokes that are really, really bad. So, so basically, she's making dad jokes, which I know a lot of people don't like dad jokes, but at least for someone like me, I really love dad jokes. So, I thought all her jokes were hilarious, and it really like gives an eye into the type of person that she is because of the fact that, um, because of the fact that she lost a majority of her powers because her horn is gone. And so, um, but she, and on top of that, like she's, she's the oldest daughter of a sort of surviving situation, but it's like, it's clear that that never like drags her down and she kind of just takes life as it goes and she's fighting for it for sure. And she doesn't give up. That's that much is certain. Um, but she just she's a she's very good at adapting and sort of embracing what has already happened and sort of doing what she thinks is best and doing what she thinks is like, you know, better for everyone around her. And I found that to be really admirable for her character. The other thing about her that I really like is that she's just so sassy. Um, she just has a lot of spunk that I just find really cute and funny and overall just really telling of the, um, of the kind of person that she is. And I really enjoy just listening to her sass people. Um, they're very good insults, (laughs) um, but they're not the kind where you actually feel insulted. You can tell that, oh, she means well. It's just like, she really wants to, sass someone right now and I always find that to be really amusing when someone likes to do that and so uh so that's another reason why I'm a huge fan of her and then finally I do really appreciate her uh fights uh she I think she uses fire if I remember but she can't fight for a very long time because of the fact that she lost her horn so she's very limited by her literal physical body but She is going to fight until the very end with every ounce of her body. If it means that it lets other people survive, if it means accomplishing the mission. Um, and it shows this sort of determination and passion inside her that I also thought was very fitting in regards to her hair color and her firepower as well. And so that's why I always felt that Ram was underrated, even though, once again, she ended up winning Best Supporting Character during our Anime Trending Awards. But I, like, I'm i willing to bet money on the fact that if Rem was still part of the equation and in the story, people would have just thrown her aside and just completely focused on the blue-haired sister I I just, I almost feel like people only, people, because people missed Rem, they started to look at Ram, because Ram, like, resembles Rem in regards to, like, physical looks and appearances, so... That is my first pick for underrated anime characters. Um did you two I always forget because I know we've talked about Re:Zero before, but did you two watch uh Re:Zero and if you guys did, you know, how did you feel about like the sisters and especially compared to each other? That would be an Isabel question then.
1: Oh, and Isabel can only answer maybe half of the question. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's more than me. Yeah, I have only gotten to the introduction of the two girls at the very least. Uh, but as an outsider, like kind of like looking into Rezero uh, fandom, um, I feel like it's like association between Rem and Ram together, and and like you said, in every whatever waifu pool out there, there is always Rem over Ram. Yeah, and maybe even Amelia over that as well. And I guess a question I had is like, do you think Ram is maybe overlooked? Um, or underrated in comparison to Rem and maybe the other characters in the series because she maybe there's not that romantic aspect between her and Subaru. Absolutely. I also agree
0: with that. Yes. (laughs) I mean, Agnes already answered the question, but yes.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Agnes.
2: You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Despite not having watched the show. I like how Agnes was just that
0: confident. She was like, I haven't watched this show, but I am certain that this is the right answer. (laughs) I mean, it's it's
2: it's set up like a shonen, right? <clears throat> the male protagonist has a female love interest and is also a female triangle love interest with Rem and Amelia and Subaru. And yet any other character outside of that is apparently not important because they don't have a romantic relationship with him. That's how it typically works in a shonen, And so that's very apparent to even see that in the isekai of ReZero, unfortunately. Even though in ReZero, there are lots of side characters that are just... Absolutely amazing based on what you say, Gracie, and what a lot of other fans say. But unfortunately, people are still heavily rooted and heavily interested in the love triangle between Subaru, Amelia, and Rem. Yes,
0: no, I, I agree. And the thing about Rem as well is this is now this is we're going to controversial topics is... I actually never cared too much for Rem. I don't care for Rem. She's just an ooh-woo girl. Yeah, like I like I get. Like she has she she can definitely hold her own and she definitely fights, but I felt like her entire sort of driving point in the story was the fact that she's utterly devoted to Subaru, and it's like, even though, um, mm. even though it's like he is in love with someone else, which by the way, I actually do like Subaru with Amelia now, especially after the second season. I definitely see how these two have really grown and become very complementary and compatible with each other. Like in a way that I'm like, if they get into a relationship, they would be very, very healthy and very supportive to each other. So, um, but Rem just really felt like a character who was there to just Reminds Subaru that there are people out there who will always love him no matter what, and I I understand there is like a point to this in the fact that in the second season when we find out Subaru's past, we later see that Rem kind of acts like his mom, and so um, there's a similarity in their personalities and their tone, even in the way they talk. And so I think, um, and I think that is essentially what Rem is representing because oftentimes Rem will even say sort of the exact same things that his mom said, but I still feel like like his mom saying those things where she's like, I'm going to always love you no matter what, that's because that's a good parent, you know? <laughs> that's a good parent <laughs> who cares about their kid, and they. that's why they are always like, and that's why they're the ones who are always like, you know, I will always love you. And um, and I feel like having a romantic interest be that sort of theme, um, as sort of like a callback to a parental love, it's just not the same in that regard. And so that's why I just didn't care about Ram ever. I felt like there was so much more that could have been done with her as a character separate outside of Subaru, but it felt like it wasn't there. But Ram, on the other hand. Absolutely had something separate of Subaru. And it's also why she's so hilarious and funny. And so she does have like a weird sort of romantic thing going on between her and the clown guy. I, I can't remember his name, but <laughs> he's dressed like a clown. So, um, but like it's, it's complicated and it's weird and it's complex. I will admit to that. But with that being said, though, there's still so much more going on with her. And even that relationship doesn't bother me because it's so like different and like a different sort of vibe and feel to it that I'm like totally okay with the fact that even if the relationship just feels a little odd. And so yeah, I just ultimately I think Ram is sort of more her own character versus Rem, but perhaps that is why because she is her own, more of her own character that people seem to prefer the sister over her. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is my first pick. My second pick and I think this one both of you two should know as well. It's from Kono Oto Tomare, and um it is uh Takeso Kurata, the guy with the glasses. <laughs>
2: Ah, yes, Kurata. Smooth man. Smooth yes, class friends. <laughs>
0: I know, I know. Okay, so I feel like, okay, so I also think he's very underrated because of the fact that, well, first of all, his I, I hate saying this. I'm so sorry, Kurata. I, l- let it be known that I do love you when I say this. <laughs> um, But Kurata's character design is... Is it the most attractive of the bunch? I mean, he's the most
2: bland looking out of all of them. Yes.
0: And so because of that, I think he gets overlooked because whether we like it or not, everybody's a little superficial and that includes the girls as well when it comes to looking at anime characters as their love interests. And so Kurata doesn't really fit that brand, but that boy, I think has a lot of like commanding power that is extraordinarily impressive and sort of the one where you like where if you're like a person on the sideline and you see him like talk or like do something you're kind of like oh (laughs) you know like that sort of reaction um And I feel like he doesn't really get credit for that. So I do, I'm sure that part of the reason why people don't like him at the very beginning is because he was so mean to, um, oh gosh, what was his name, Uh, Agnes, the main character, the Blondie. Um, Chica? Yes, Chica. Um, So, uh,
2: so I- Chica or Chica, it's one of the two. Huh? It's Chica or Chiba is one of the two. I don't remember which one exactly. I
0: think it was Chica. Um, yeah, but it's one of the cheese. So, um, the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But basically, I think people got turned off by him because like as a character, not even like romantically. Um, uh, I think people got turned off by him because of his inherent bias towards Chica at the very beginning and how he didn't want Chica to join and how he's very dismissive and kept like trying to push him away and stuff like that, which... I understand it's not a good look for sure, but I think what's more important is a person's ability to grow in that sense. And absolutely he like learned from his mistake. He didn't he never made that mistake ever again with any of the other characters, which is like I said, telling of the fact that he learned from his mistake. And he really makes up for it later by how fiercely he defends Chica in a way that's not even like guilt ridden, but like genuinely because he cares. And so um, and then I'm always endlessly impressed by how he is able to sort of take charge of things and take care of people. Um, one thing that never left my mind in regards to Kurata is when um, so his love interest, she had a bit of issues um in regards to her friendships in the past and essentially she is um under the belief that no one's really truly friends because she essentially got betrayed by her friends um and she got blamed for being like the cheater when in reality she wasn't involved with that at all and the entire school believed it at the same time and unfortunately uh, during uh during one of the school festivals she ran into um that the old group of people again is what happened and so um and so they immediately start to badmouth her they're like be careful about her you know she's the type of person who would like stab you in the back and you know they she'll she'll like you know date your boyfriends and like get other people cheating and all that stuff and In particular, it was Kurata's response where um, Kurata just calmly looks at those two people. It was the guy and the girl. And he just goes, That's fine. I'm glad for your worry, but I'm a better judge of character than you. (laughs) And just leaves. And I thought that was like such a good way to like throw it back in their faces, in all honesty, because you're not making a scene. Um, Which, unfortunately, that's like, because I know Agnes is probably thinking like, well, I would have made a scene, but um, (laughs) um, but when you're not making a scene and you're just so calm about the fact that you're like, yeah, you suck. And it's because you're dumbass F. Like, I think that's like a very powerful way to sort of get back at someone who was very incredibly cruel and then also doesn't have the self-awareness to recognize the fact that they were incredibly cruel and so that moment had always really stuck out to me because i was like wow that is such a powerful moment from him and it's also very telling of his personality of how fiercely protective and loyal he is to people and it really shows off his leadership skills as well as the other thing um because he always seems unassuming. You're like, why is this guy the leader? But everyone listens to him for a reason. In fact, people are kind of scared of him for a reason. Because when he gets down to it, he is relentless in, like, the best ways. And so, and he's, like, perfect to lead a group of people. Especially a ragtag team group of people. So, um, and so that is why I feel like Kurata is just an amazing character. But I just don't think he gets the love that everyone else does in uh, Koro Oto Tomare. So, what are your thoughts, Agnes?
2: <laughs> I'm really glad you highlighted him in From Kono Oto Tomare because I do remember very distinctly when I first started reading the manga because the first part of the manga covers the, the main love story between Chika and... What's her name? Satomi?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, between Ch- Chika and Satomi. But then... And then you think to yourself, like, oh, Kurata's like, you know, he's just kind of like the vehicle that drives the story because he's the one that holds the keys to the the um, to the to Koto Club. But when you get to the second arc where he is, you know, bringing all these people together, actually pushing them to go into competition and also standing up for the people, you're just like, Dad, this is the real star of the show right here. <laughs> Smooth class president. I, I remember being very impressed with his arc and helping out the girl that was bullied. Lead mm. by the other girls in her grade and I just thought that was just very very cool like I'd be like you know I would be glad to be his love
0: interest Oh my gosh he's <laughs> your type
2: <laughs> I mean it it's cool I think it's very cool
0: Isn't that because Chica is the ISTP so it makes sense that you would uh, rather have the other no guy wonder.
2: <laughs> <laughs> No wonder No wonder the entirety of the first arc I was like yeah I feel you man I understand, <laughs> I, understand. <laughs> I ultimately I understand <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, no Kurata is great. And um and I mean, did you uh, do you agree with me in the fact that it seems like people kind of just overlook him?
2: <laughs> oh, for sure because I mean, I even I overlooked him in like I said I overlooked him in the first season because he looks plain af. He looks very bland. <laughs> but that's where the secret comes in, right? Right, <laughs> the, the secret. Sermay, the secret.
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about you, Isabel? You watched Korota Tomare, right?
1: I, I actually haven't, so <gasps> um,
0: You haven't? I feel like this is the type of thing you would like.
1: <laughs> I think so too. I think I only watched like the first maybe one or two episodes. Um and Oh so, I didn't watch the anime,
2: I read the mangas.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well there's one thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, I hadn't I only watched the first two episodes. Um I should watch more, but yeah, I think the music is very great, but yeah, just looking at, like what you were describing about at least about his character design, which I can look up online. I can agree that, yeah, I would probably look over him as well based on what he looks like. But right. that, that's pretty much all I can say.
0: <laughs> Ugh, but his personality is so like it's so good once it comes quack out. Quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> I think,
2: me cheering in the background yeah you go there nerd <laughs> you
0: go get him i think the other thing i was thinking about is that funnily enough like i did start to find him like physically attractive once his personality came out which i'm like at the end of the day the physical attraction and the personality are still heavily tied to each other so you start fighting the personality uh once you start finding the personality attractive you just can't help but find the physical attraction like there as well. At least that's <laughs> on my end. Uh, you guys can feel free to disagree with me in that regard.
2: <laughs> no, I, I feel I mean at that point it's kind of like how most people will say, right? Like you don't fall in love with somebody's looks but you fall in love with like their personality, right? Right. And then everything else becomes very secondary and just falls into place. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies very aptly to Kurata in Kononot Oto- Uh, Tomare.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love him so much. I I want him and his uh, girl to do so well together. I think that we should get a second season.
2: (laughs) Um, Go read the manga, Gracie.
0: Uh, I know but you know me and manga Like it's not it's not really my thing So it's not my I thing know. Because I have no self control I need to reiterate that <laughs> It isn't my thing because I don't like to read It's not my thing because I have no self control And it's very scary this is how I ended up Binge reading the entirety of Demon Slayer In a single night so I have learned Self control with anime but not with <laughs> Not with reading So it's still very dangerous territory for me Unfortunately um, But yeah I, I love Kurata and I hope maybe after this episode, people will check it out and see what I mean by the fact that he's just an incredible character. So, alrighty! Isabel, you are the last person now, so I am super curious to hear, you know, who do you have for your uh, underrated anime characters?
1: Yeah, uh, the first one I picked uh, is actually airing this season. It's from Oshinoko, and it's the... um, aqua and ruby's stepmother ah or the adoptive mother miyako and yeah i just feel like she's underrated and she's being overshadowed by a lot of the characters that were being introduced to obviously younger as well mm-hmm. um yeah i just thought that you know for her starting off i didn't like her at least in the first episode like she has so much character growth in such a short amount of time that you kind of forget about it and and she's just there now, you know, part of the story obviously is still an influence um, in Aqua and Ruby's lives, but I feel like what she has done to raise raise them has been overlooked obviously with the time skip as well. But yeah, you know, she starts off as kind of the um, wife of the president of the production company and she is only there to really just be there because she wants to date hot guys and meet um, and... Uh, meet attractive actors uh, while she's in the showbiz industry kind of associated with it but then she's stuck with taking care of these children while while I is outperforming um, and doing things so she becomes basically like a nanny and she doesn't like that and she even threatens to you know uh, to expose I's pregnancy and everything before the twins, stop her from doing that so yeah she grew from that type of um character into someone who actually ended up adopting these two and actually even becomes the president of this production company which i thought was surprising i thought she would just leave you know do something else that's completely unrelated but yeah one you know she takes she actually formally adopts the children and then two she becomes the president and three at this point you know, they're putting together an idol group, even though they haven't done so in so long. Um, I'm like excited for what's going to come next, because I don't know how she's going to lead these, these girls and boys. Um, and I just think that she should definitely get more recognition than she did in just like one or two episodes overall. Um, yeah, that's what I have to say so far for her. Uh, Grace, have you've seen it, what did you think about Miyako in general?
0: Oh, I really love Miyako. I wasn't expecting that sort of character growth from her, to be completely honest with you. Um, I, I I was also, I immediately also disliked her because, like, she was, essentially, she's married to the guy, and mm-hmm. she's saying she wants to meet hot guys, and I was like, so you married a man just to cheat on him? And I, that was a very, very bad first impression on me. <laughs> I was like, Mm-mm, no, girl, no. <laughs> so, um, but with that being said, I do think it is, um, I I think it's ultimately telling of her actual character and personality when, um, when she embraces at the end of being like parents to, especially Ruby. So, uh, Aqua is a bit of a different case and that's because that man needs antidepressants and like therapy and a a lot of other stuff. And so, (laughs) um, but with Ruby in particular, Ruby never really, um, had parents that like cared for her. Her parents were extremely rich and when their kids were like, when she was born and basically it was clear that she had like a very, uh, weak body, uh, they threw her into a hospital and basically were, quote-unquote, always busy and never really uh, came to see her. There's a possibility that, you know, her parents were really just cowards and they just didn't have it in them to watch, like, their kids slowly die. But that doesn't change the sort of effect and, you know, pain that leaves on a child. And so... um, and so Miyako, in particular, really bonds with uh, Ruby. And um, at the end, when she asked them, you know, would it be okay if I'm your actual mother and adopt you guys and raise you as my own? It was Ruby who very explicitly like walked over and um, and hugged her. And it was a very emotionally it was a is a sad emotional moment, but at the same time, there was a bit of heartwarming to it because you could. Tell it really means a lot to Ruby to have this adult woman who's technically not by blood, you know, related to her at all, and who started off actually in a more antagonistic row to willingly be like, I am willing to show her everything because I love you and I want to be with you and be a family together with you. And so I think that really was the biggest importance to me is that relationship that she has with Ruby. I think it's very powerful and it's wonderful for Ruby as well for having grown up in the past in her past life to have to deal with something like Either cruel parents or um, coward parents. But either way, it's not better because, it, once again, it doesn't change the fact of the, damage, the emotional damage it leaves on Ruby as a kid. And so... Um... So, yeah, I, I also remember one particular comment on our tweets in regards to Oshinoko that really cracks me up where they're like uh, where they basically said Miyako is not the stepmom, is the mom that stepped up. I always oh, really wow. like that.
2: I, yeah, that's a really good quote. Yeah. yeah,
0: I yeah. As a whole, I really like that quote. I think it's a very clever play on words of step parents as a whole. And of course, it's also a very big reminder that there's definitely a lot of real life families out there where. It is genuinely the step parent who um, is really in their stepchildren's lives and loves them and adores them, would do anything for them, probably would kill for them, sort of thing. And so, um, and I mean, in fact, we, we used to have someone at AT whose um, stepdad technically is a stepdad, but that's his dad, and that's all there is to it. And so, um, so I I really love that quote as a whole. I think it's great that now it's in our lingo, our English lingo of being like, "I'm not the par- I'm not the step parent. I'm the parent who specifically stepped up." So um, I really like that as a whole. Uh, yeah. So I really love Miyako as well. Agnes, uh, did you watch Oceanoko? I actually don't know. I did
2: not watch Oshinoko. I'm kind of waiting until it finishes, sort of, so I can kind of binge it.
0: Okay, got it. Um, were you ever interested in reading it?
2: no i was not
0: okay um i because i was because i know you tend to read manga more and so i was that's why i was curious i was like did you ever think about reading it but okay so you you haven't really met miyako yet (laughs) i
2: mean i haven't met any of them yet that's
0: true you are going to learn one of them is just a mess and a menace to society (laughs) (laughs) great Uh, Yeah, so that is, uh, so I really love Miyako as well. Uh, Isabel, what was the, was there a moment for you that, like, Miyako just won you over? Kind of like, for me, it was with her and Ruby, or is it, was it just a slow thing where you just realized that, you know, she was actually a really good person?
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah, I think it was the thing with Ruby, but also, also with Aqua to some extent, like in the later, after the time skip, I like how she interacts with him and kind of treats him as an adult, like. I feel like sometimes she knows, and maybe this is like motherly instincts or something, the fact that I need to, like, basically in her mind that she needs to treat this boy differently than how she treats Ruby. Uh Uh-huh. And so just like, yeah, like her just kind of like, yeah, it just feels like two adults talking to each other sometimes between the scenes, uh, between her and Aqua. So I really appreciated that as well for some reason. And I was like, okay, well, she, she actually knows what she's doing with, these kids and also just running the whole thing by herself so that's when it I feel like really clicked for me like oh you know she is a character that I haven't really um you know seen the spotlight on her or I think that you know she should get more recognition for that
0: (laughs) yeah no I think uh so honestly what you're saying is she's an incredible parent because it's very easy for, because parents are flawed people, and it's very easy for parents to treat their kids the same. And that's like, Mm -hmm. you know, people are like, well, isn't that what you want? Is you want to treat your kids the same? But I think there's a difference between treating your kids the same and using the same method and different kids require different methods. And so I see like, so what you're saying is she's aware of the fact that there are different methods to raising these kids with Ruby. She's a lot more hands-on a lot more openly affectionate and stuff. And then with Aqua, she quickly realizes like this boy, if he's ever going to listen to me at all, (laughs) the right thing to do is treat him as an adult and talk to him like an adult. And for, and then through that, you know, even Aqua really respects her, which is very no. rare of you know, <laughs> that character, but you can tell that he really respects her and there's a reason for that as well. So yeah, what you're so yeah, that's basically what I think um is sort of the reason as to why you really like that part of her. But you can correct me if I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, you're ex- yeah, you're exactly right though. That's right.
0: <laughs> Alrighty. So um so that is your first character that you think is underrated. So what is your second one?
1: Yeah, the second one, um uh, I'm gonna Yeah, I wouldn't I was gonna go with uh, John from Attack on Titan. Oh, okay. and I don't he might not be underrated for some people. I know a lot of people like him as a character, but when I compare him and his scream time to everyone else on the cast, uh-huh. I think he does get a lot less. Um, and I think he's more important than I thought he was, especially in the beginning when I thought John was actually at least I thought his character was set up to be a bully towards Aaron and everyone else really um, just because he had this kind of haughty air about himself stating that he was only going to join the military police because he wanted that stability um, and because I think he comes off from a relatively you know, well-off family and so he doesn't have and he's never been in a situation um, at least when he was younger with the Titans similar to Aaron. Uh, and so he's always, you know, fighting with Aaron. at least in the beginning of the series. I actually didn't like him at all. I'm like, why is this character here? And I actually thought he would die off at some point too, but he, he doesn't. He proved me wrong by staying alive for so long and <laughs> I've grown to like him, <laughs> surprisingly mm-hmm. enough. Um, yeah, I just like, the fact that he had this character development, like, okay, so he joined the police. Um uh, the military force, and then when he like starts going out on these battles, and he actually starts losing his teammates, I think that's when he starts to change, and he, you know, rightfully so, he becomes kind of skeptical and scared and anxious, and he still has that thing about himself where, where he'll put himself first, you know, even if they're going to save Aaron, he's he's telling Aaron like, don't screw this up, man, like I don't want to die. <laughs> um, But the truth is, I feel like he's so real about it. Like he's the one character that I feel like you can trust in Attack on Titan, um, because he's just so he's like his character is so consistent post his kind of growth in character, because he stays loyal to you know his teammates and everything, um, and you know his friends as well. But he also wants to make sure that everyone knows what the reality is, or. Wants to force people to also notice, like, if we're making this decision, then you know this is going to happen. Like he, he, ha- he definitely speaks up when he needs to, and I feel like that's important uh, because of, you know obviously their lives are on the line. And then even though he's not as skilled as Mikasa uh, or some of the other uh, other characters in fighting the Titans, you know he does you know pull his weight and you know definitely executes the plan as best as he can so even though he doesn't have like super flashy scenes i think he's still important overall so he's he as a character has grown overall Um, i wish he had more screen time as well or maybe some cool shots of him fighting that would be cool but i didn't think i would be liking him when i started attack on titan but here i am overall Um, but yeah i want to know what you guys think about john as well um, in attack on titan
2: I also agree that I didn't quite like Jean at the beginning, especially in season one, because it's like, wow, Jean is such a prick and he is like a mama's boy type of deal. But in the later series where he does really grow up, he has to experience, you know, his best friend Marco die at the hands of the Titan and really shape up his views. I think he's a splendid addition to this cast as a sort of like a stable man like mentally wise uh, while everyone else is kind of like we must kill these and he's just like wait 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 wait, we need a plan (laughs) Um, and so he kind of compliments I think Armin in that sense too where they're very grounded people they have the vision that they want to continue to support their friends and to carry out their cause but they are also the kind of people who are like kind of reigning back their friends especially like people like Mikasa Aaron, and Levi who are just ready to just go out there and kill things right? (laughs) so you need that T- you need those type of characters that are very stable and that kind of hold the group together.
0: I was going to ask, like, I feel like based on some previous conversation sort of cookies that was dropped, you always kind of liked John more. So I was surprised to hear that at the beginning you didn't like him, Agnes.
2: <laughs> uh, I think, well, like I said, like he... I didn't like him at the beginning because he's supposed to serve as that sort of like antagonist to Eren, that foil to Eren. But at the very core of it, he's just a scared guy. Who wants stability? And unfortunately, he has to witness the trauma of his best friend dying. So he's like, "Okay, I actually have to shape up, and I have to do this for Marco too." And so I think that makes his brings out his true character, makes him more noble than what he really was in season one. Mm,
0: got it, got it. Because I always hear you making jab remarks where you're like, "I don't get Mikasa why she would pick Eren, I would pick John." <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I would.
2: I would not pick. I mean, I. I mean, from the get go, like between the two of them it does seem like, yes, John is a simp for Mikasa, but he genuinely does care for her well-being, especially, like, afterwards, too, uh, versus, like, Eren, like, Eren doesn't give a- <laughs> So I'm like I have no sympathy for Aaron. I'm sorry. If I had to choose between the two, I would choose Jean because Aaron is an asshole.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm like your your unlove for Aaron has always been quite clear.
2: <laughs> it's been very clear. Yeah. I I may have gotten into a couple spats and arguments with my younger cousins who like Aaron from Attack on Titan in like a very like idolizing way. So.
0: <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, why do they idolize him? I I don't think he was written to be idolized. Uh- it,
2: well, you would be surprised to know that there are a lot of people that do sort of idolize him on Twitter, um, and a lot of it is just because like they 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 see him as like kind of like the would you would you sacrifice all of humanity for your cause sort of thing, and I was like, no, <laughs> you don't sacrifice all of humanity for that cause, kind of thing. But I mean, um, even I ha-
0: with that sort of mindset, it's also like isn't. Isn't that tragic that someone got forced or someone felt like that that was their only sort of that was their only sort of choice? Like, that's not a situation you ever want anyone to be in. So definitely you shouldn't be idolizing them. You should be pitying them, if nothing else, like at best. No, they
2: idolize them, but that's because they're much younger. Mm hmm. They see that as a mark of heroism rather than a mark of tragedy. Mm. That's why they idolize him. And I'm just like, you can see that as a mark of heroism, sure. But I'm pretty sure if you were in his shoes, you'd be shitting your pants. Yeah, (laughs) right. I don't think it is a mark of heroism. It is a mark of tragedy. And unfortunately, it is like a blind sort of tragedy, too. That you were trying to go for a cause that you were so adamant was the correct cause. But at the very end... It was, it was not going to help anybody and it was not going to help yourself. That's tragic. That is not heroism. Mm, got it.
0: Oh, man. Okay, well, my opinion on John has always been kind of lukewarm. So I guess I'd be one of the people who um, make the character underrated. I, I never really disliked him, to be completely honest. I didn't think his sort of bratty behavior was unusual from someone of his background and also i'm like his fear of dying is very relatable because i'd be like i'm out of here i am not staying here (laughs) and so (laughs) and i i do think i kind of relate to the fact that he only joined because he wanted stability because i i understand that that's always been on the forefront of my mind as like a kid going into college like there's obviously stuff that i would rather pursue but at the end of the day i was like i would prefer having something where I can always have a very nice like um, a nice good stream of income to live the way I want to live and so which is ironic because in that way I'm not living the way I want to live but it's that stability that overtakes everything else for me and so um, so I, I also related to him in that regard but at the end of the day I never really felt strongly about him and I never really disliked him either I did think it was very me that they said that his face is a horse because I was like I do not yeah. think his face is a horse <laughs> Like I, didn't, I think
2: it was okay looking but not definitely definitely not a horse exactly
0: <laughs> it's a, that was- that I did like, I, I felt defensive for him because I was like, that is very mean and, un, um, and unasked for and unwarranted. And it was unwarranted, and people should apologize to so... him. <laughs> so that was the only time that I really felt something passionate about. I do think his friendship with Marco was extremely sad, and the impact that Marco left behind on him is very big and it's it is very emotional I think it's actually probably one of the most emotional parts of the series itself because even at the very very end you can still see that Marco is just always on his mind in regards to what happened to him and so uh so that part I did like but yeah John I've always been kind of eh about him I didn't dislike him and I didn't like 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 him it was just like he was a fine character that I could relate to uh-huh. I need I need to think about this further because in many ways I can kind of see how John kind of serves something similar to Einar in um in uh Vinland saga, but I love Anar so much more. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to think about that. But yeah, so okay. that uh yeah. sorry, sorry Isabel, did you have anything else you wanted to add?
1: <laughs> no, that was all. You'll have more time to think about John, so Look look forward to that. Yep.
0: <laughs> All righty then. So thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our episode this week. We will be back next week once again with another fun topic. So I hope you'll still be with us next time. Bye everyone.
2: Bye-bye.
0: Bye.